Good evening to you. It is Saturday, September 2nd at 8.16 p.m. Uh, Purdue has lost their first game of the 2023 season. They dropped it to Fresno State, home opener. First game of the Ryan Walters era. Not ideal by any means. Not um, what I was hoping for. What I, uh, I guess hope is really all it was, right? Because we didn't know much about this team coming in. Um, I'll talk about some things that disappointed me. Some uh, happy surprises, if you will, and um, maybe maybe we can talk together a little bit about it, depending on who tunes in live. But uh, before I do it, let me uh, let me thank our sponsors. Let's thanks to um, thanks to um, Homefield Apparel. Head over to homefieldapparel.com. Enter boiled at checkout. Uh, boiled twenty three at checkout. Pardon me. Get fifteen percent off. And when you're on campus, next game is Syracuse. In two weeks, that's an evening game. I think it's 7 p.m. Um, head over to AJ's on Vine. Um, go to uh, eataj's.com if you want to order ahead. Uh, lots of good pub fare there and uh, good people too. Uh, Adam uh, was hoping for a quick post game, but I was kind of, I don't want to say, uh, I wasn't stranded. I was, I was not on my own accord. Um, but uh, I, I had to I had to ride in the third row back out of town with my with, in my dad's car uh, because I I didn't drive up there myself so I didn't get to go to AJ's this time I'm looking forward to going uh, before the Syracuse game I hope to go a Friday night maybe I'll see you there who knows <clears throat> uh, saw a couple people there BS listeners appreciate you guys saying hi it's always nice um, I I'm not uh, it's weird so one of the one of the worst things honestly, about running a podcast or a blog like this is that when you've got a a group of fans that are doomsday, you know, doom and gloom type people after a loss, regardless of the nature of loss, when the the loss occurs, you kind of have to address it or at least listen to it. It, it, You can't ignore it because you have to do things like this, you know, like do a little – show prep before you go on, listen to what's happening on the, on the message boards or talk to people in person after games, which I did a little bit of all that. Um, and I just, I, I came into this game with, I thought, I, I hope Purdue would win. But if you don't think we were sober about Fresno State, you didn't pay attention to anything that we said on the Handsome Hour or uh, the pregame uh, show yesterday afternoon. Uh, I just didn't. I knew Jeff Tedford was a great coach. I knew that Fresno State had systems in place and was a good team, and they showed it. They the big thing that the biggest takeaway is a veteran coaching staff kind of took a young coaching staff behind the shed. They it was coaching is the biggest takeaway that I think if Purdue lost one place more than anything else, and they lost in multiple areas uh, areas of the game, coaching was rough. Um, a lot of, a lot of things there. I didn't like at all what I saw. And, um, I don't think this is like a death penalty or anything at that. I think Purdue played a better team. Purdue played a better coach team, but Purdue did not necessarily play better personnel. And I think that's the thing that a lot of Purdue fans might struggle. You're like, okay, look, you've got this guy, this guy, this guy, they're all good. You know, you, you saw Dion Burks just show his explosiveness, his speed, right? You saw Tyron Tracy show his. You saw Hudson Card at times show some of it, right? You saw uh, Nick Scourton, uh, play had a couple big plays. And 
Um, even uh, Thieneman had a, had a great play at the end of the game. He led the team in tackles as a true freshman. So you, so you see there are guys on the field that are really good players, there's no doubt. And it looks to me like, if we're just being really honest, before I go deeper into what I think happened, Jeff Tedford and co, um, they just they stole Ryan Walters and his staff's money, lunch money. They just, they were, <clears throat> they were better. They were better. They made adjustments at the half that Purdue did not counter at all. They, Purdue looked like they put um, uh, Fresno State's uh, quarterback out of the game in the first half. Uh, Mikey, let's see, let me get his, Mikey Keen, he deserves a lot of credit. He was awesome. Um, but they looked like they knocked him out of the game uh, because Purdue was putting pressure on Fresno State in the first half. King came back from injury. I don't know exactly what the injury was. I was in the stadium, so I didn't, I didn't hear. It looked like he maybe broke a rib, maybe dinged up his leg. I, I, he was kind of limping, and he was grabbing his side when he got up. It took him a long time to get off the, the mat. Um, but he looked awesome in the second half. He looked like Pat Mahomes in the second half. He was moving Purdue's defense around, throwing the ball right where it needed to be. Purdue's coverage on a lot of those completed passes was not awful. They were on the guy's hip, but he put it away from the defender over and over. And they weren't hard passes to make. They weren't deep, most of them. But if they needed 12 yards, they'd get 15. And it happened over and over and over. One thing that I'm told is going to be a, a normal thing in this Purdue defense is Thieneman is going to be lined up very far away from the line of scrimmage. And it looked to me, <coughs> looked to me like he was 20 yards from the line of scrimmage on every down. Um, he's obviously a solid player. I mean, he had 10 tackles. Um, he had that huge interception that looked like um, could win the game for Purdue or help them win the game. But uh, the biggest, the things that bothered me more than anything, the like overarching things, uh, like I already said, I've, I think I've beaten up coaching pretty good. I think I've been fairly critical of that. But the offensive line um, in short yarded situations could not create space. And that's a big, strong offensive line, but this, is, this was the concern of every Purdue fan that knew anything. You had a bunch of guys that hadn't played together and a bunch of guys that were patchworked together, and you had multiple number ones. I think you had three guys on the depth chart who should be starters who couldn't start today. I believe that's true. Kalkenberger, uh, Berger, uh, Hartwig, and Musa, I believe. Um, none of them were available. They, they all are players that uh, played, or they all started in, at Purdue previous seasons. Um, Hartwig is going to be out for a while. Um, Purdue's going to miss him a lot. And then they lost their two subsequent centers after that. So Purdue's going into their four deeps in the uh, offensive line multiple times. And so I don't fault the players who are in a position, you know, that they're – not comfortable with, you know, maybe playing more minutes than uh, they, they thought they would or in different situations they thought they were. I really, again, I'm going to go back to the coaches and be critical. That short yardage offense was horrible. It was atrocious. And it wasn't just the line. The line seemed to be able to do a good enough job to create enough space to get maybe Maccabi space, a guy with speed who, you know, is elusive. He had some plays that were incredible. I look forward to going back and watching the highlights, watching the whole game, um, because he had a couple that were dead plays. He had one where he stepped through a hole in the line that was 
about a foot and a half wide uh, in the second half, in the fourth quarter, coming off the left side. Uh, and he, I think he gained 12 or 15 yards on that play. Mockaby's um, uh, special in the way he can get away from, from defenders that are there and they have a beat on him. And, um, but that eight downs or seven downs or whatever it was in the first half where Purdue could not create any space – and they kept calling the same stinking play or a very similar play. They got on the seventh down. Seventh down. It took them seven downs to get in from inside of the three. Two penalties by Fresno State. And that was when Purdue was playing well. That was before kind of the wheels fell off. But that play calling was so bad. And kid genius Graham Harrell did not look like a genius there. Let's just be really honest. And I'm going to be... I think you guys know this. I am critical on coaches before players. Purdue's new coaching staff deserves criticism. Deserves criticism. Let's look at the next part that bothered me. The defensive backs and the defense in general in the second half looked tired. Purdue could not put pressure on their quarterback, uh, Mikey King. And it seemed to me like the defensive backs were, they're having to play man a lot or an altered version of man. I, I, but here's the other thing. We, we've heard how revolutionary this defense was, is and how great it was at Illinois, and I know it's going to take time. We all knew it's going to take time for guys to understand their role. And the jump from first game to second game will be significant. I am convinced of that. But Purdue's defense in the second half was really not good at all. Not where it needs to be. For any, I, I'll tell you what. You watch IU; they played really good defense versus Ohio State. They couldn't play; they they couldn't move the ball. That could be a game. Purdue and IU. If you look at just the teams right now as they're locked in, obviously they're going to be very different at the end of the season. They're going to be very different in November. But those two teams, I mean, looks like neither. I mean, I don't know. Ohio State's a different animal. Ohio State's not great. I just look at the the potential wins right now. That that number after this game shrunk down a little bit to me, it looks like Purdue's got to get figure some things out. And they will figure some things out. I'm positive. But this was a, this was a tough first game. Now, nothing is, like I said, this is not doomsday. It's not the end of the world. Um, but that's a bad first showing. And there are some things that they need to clean up in a hurry. Because Syracuse, who did they play, LBD? Syracuse scored 60 points. Huh? They did play. I don't know what Virginia. I don't. Know, I don't think Virginia Tech has played yet. No, I saw Virginia play, but that is not Virginia. Tech. Right, that is not. Uh, but Purdue goes to to Blacksburg to play Virginia Tech next week. I think it's another noon kickoff, which is kind of good because that place is death at night. It is a hard place to win at night. I think the better chance to win on the road at Virginia Tech is okay. during the day. Okay, Syracuse played Colgate, okay, but they scored 65 points. I, here's the thing. we got to take all this with a grain of salt. Now, as Purdue fans, ask yourself this question, and be serious. Be honest with yourself. Would you have felt better if Purdue would have played a patsy, an absolute patsy? So in previous years, the patsy has been Indiana State, right? And let's pretend for a second they play Indiana State and they beat the crap out of Indiana State. Or they play a weak MAC team, okay? A group of five team. And they beat up on him. Would you rather have that or have a game like this in the first one where you're like, you learn a lot about where you need help as a team, where you're bad, where you're weak. I think Purdue learned a lot 
And if these coaches are worth their weight in salt, they're going to make adjustments and they're going to get better. One thing that Walter said in his presser afterwards, we need to figure out what we're really good at. To me, it looks like what they're really good at is speed on the outside. It looks like you've got guys that can burn. Okay. Okay. So just recently, he said, just just situation. Virginia Tech just had a play, uh, a lot like Purdue. Virginia Tech's playing Old Dominion. It's zero to zero. They had a uh, first and goal. Yeah, from the four. From the four, and they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Okay. So next week, Purdue and Virginia Tech's gonna be a three to three tie. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. No, a lot's gonna change. Let me. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it'll be. May, let's say. Let's say it'll be ten to three. Purdue wins because. Uh, Tyrone Tracy as a kick return. So let's look at the positives. I, that was pretty. That's a pretty rough intro. I apologize for not being sunshiny, uh, but let's look at the good stuff. That uh, Tyrone Tracy showed out uh, on the kick return game. Excellent uh, run off the right side. Really accelerated around the corner. Um, looked excellent. Look, he looked like he was in the place he needed to be um, this year. He looks like he's being used the right way. He's a second string running back. He's a special teams guy. He looked pretty good there. Um, Deion Burks was awesome. He had four catches, 152 yards, uh, two touchdowns. And one of his catches uh, showed off what um, Coach Walters and company had talked about, that he's like an action figure. I mean, that, that was an incredible play. He, he, he kept his feet moving forward as he spun. Rem- very reminiscent of something Rondell Moore used to do regularly. I'm not saying he's Rondell Moore, but very reminiscent of that. Deion Burks is a different guy than he was a couple years ago. If you saw him play in the spring game, you're like, wow, he's fasting. He's wearing the number four now, just like uh, Moore used to. He was fast and he was little back then. He was thin. Well, now he's fast and he is strong. He's put together. If you saw the press conference, that's a guy I don't want to mess with. Um, uh, he looks... Uh, he looks the part, uh, and I think a lot of Purdue players look the part. So some of the conditioning, the positives, guys are big and strong. The negatives, they were worn out at the end of the game. Purdue looked tired, and it, the conditions were not great. It was 84, 85 degrees, sunny, blazingly, you know, it felt hot. You know, there's no reprieve from the sun, of course, when you're in Rossade um, on, a, on a noon kickoff. Um, so... Uh, the conditions weren't great. Maybe on a cooler day, maybe Purdue would have been able to stand in and take a little more punches, but Fresno State's dealing with the same thing. Um, I don't think the the climate in the Valley is all that much different than Purdue's climate in August, I don't think. Um, so I think both teams should have been equally prepared for this. Fresno State looked better again. They looked better conditioned. So I, I'm going to give hats off again. And that, to me, goes back to coaching they had them ready. They had them ready in every way. Purdue has had some attrition because of injuries. I'm sure Fresno State has as well. Purdue loses 39 to 35. I don't think I've said that until now. It's the first time. One of the big, one of the big problems Purdue had was the poor um, uh, ability to convert, poor conversion rate on third down. Um, Purdue did a bad job getting, uh, getting first downs when they needed. Conversely, if Fresno State needed to make a play in the second half especially, they converted. I think they converted 66% of their third downs. But in the second half, it was much higher than that. Um, their, their quarterback, I was so impressed with how he was running things. He finished 31-44, and 44, 366 yards, four touchdowns, just one pick. That was that Thieneman pick, which was an amazingly 
acrobatic play to get his foot down. Awesome play. He showed a lot. His bag of tricks, Thieneman's bag of tricks are impressive. Dude. Uh, on, the, on the punt return? What? Where he blew up the guy? Oh, yeah, he had that. He had that. There's a punt early in the first half. Second Was it second quarter? And uh, it was off the bounce. And the Fresno State's looking. Third quarter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. He's looking down the barrel of Thieneman coming right at him. He can see him. There is no doubt. He decides to not take the fair catch. And Thieneman, I'm sure, was licking his chops. And he got to hit him hard. It was a nice hit. But Thieneman, to me, stood out as much as anything, anybody on the field. I think uh, uh, Kedron Jenkins also played very well. He had a sack. Um, OC Brothers had a sack. What? Yes, he's changed the number from 44 to 4. Um, uh, yeah, um, O.C. Brothers looked good at times, looked very – he struggled in pass coverage, but I don't think he was in the right position. And that's coaching. I'm not saying for him. I'm saying the coaches had him guarding a slot receiver in man a lot in the second half. That's a lot to ask a guy like Brothers, who's not the quickest linebacker in the world. Um, he wasn't in the position to succeed. And that's one thing the coaches talk about with this defense is it puts guys in the position to make plays. He was not in that position. Yanni Karloftis had a quiet day. It was I was looking forward to seeing how he'd do. Um, he looks better. He looks like he's moving okay. But um, he's not, uh, I mean, I'm not, he, he's just, he, he looked quiet. I mean, you didn't hear much about him. Markavius Brown, he's one of the um, transfer cornerbacks. He had nine tackles. Um, and then on the other side, huh? He's one, I think. And then um, on the other side was 16. Is that Nichols? Is that right? Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I can't remember. The the corners struggled at times, but they they showed to me they've got some ability. They just got they got to get better. Got to get better. Everybody's got to get better. Um, it's not the end of the world, though. If you're one of the people that say this is the end of the world, burn the place down, and you know this is, you're making comparisons to Hazel. I think you should stop that talk. Um, this Hazel, was Hazel would have lost a lot worse. Hazel would have lost a lot worse. A Hazel team would have lost a lot worse. Um, by the way, thanks to everybody who's tuning in live. I see there's quite a few here having a conversation on the side. Um, that's awesome. Um, one thing, oh, I see Jay Money's on here um, on the on the side. But one thing that I saw about. Um, Hudson Card. Hudson Card, I told you guys the dude could run, and he had a couple plays where he showed it. He does not run like a quarterback. But one thing that gets me, and I think it hasn't been announced publicly, but I'm guessing they're telling him not to run in certain situations. Just do not run. Because he had a play in the fourth quarter where he moved the pocket. He got outside the pocket on the left side. There was nobody in front of him for a long way. And either his recognition of space is poor or they told him on that type of play, do not run it. And he threw the ball away. That play seems to be one of those that would have helped Purdue a lot. If he can say, okay, I've got real estate in front of me. I'm going to go and I'm not going to take a hit. I'll either slide or go step out of bounds. That would be really beneficial for this offense. To me, it seems like one of the things this team has to do to win is they have to unleash Hudson Card. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think it might cost them a game on the other side where he has to sit out because he's injured. It might cost them that game because I think the drop-off from one to two right now, from everything I understand, is pretty drastic. But without Hudson Card using everything he's got at his disposal, I mean, the ability to when the pocket collapses, because it's going to collapse, especially when you have guys that are young that are playing um, 
uh, offensive line. Guys that are not used to playing a position in the offensive line, that sort of thing. And that's going to be happening. You have to have a guy that can improvise. And when you tell a guy that improvises well, don't do that, he starts playing tentative. Walter said, uh, we weren't aggressive, we weren't dialed in. That was one of the things he said. He took complete responsibility. I don't know if you saw the presser. He took complete responsibility. Um, and that's one thing. He's, he's a good cultural fit with Purdue, it seems, already. Um, but uh, they were not as aggressive as I thought they would be. And, they, and part of the reason they weren't that aggressive, and any of you have ever played sports, and I bet most of the people in this margin have played some sports. When you are tired, when you are fatigued, you do not play well. You do not play aggressively, most people. They did not look fresh. And maybe the coaches can do more to rotate certain guys. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the depth of this team. It seemed to me like the front four, they were worked pretty hard. We did not see a lot of guys coming in and out. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So LBD's off camera here just to let you know who I'm talking to. I'm not talking to myself this time. Um, yeah, this time, this time. But they were not fresh, and I think that could be a big – uh, that could be a big difference if they would start rotating a little bit earlier, a little bit differently. The weird thing about this game to me, and tell me if you think I'm out of line. I don't think I said this to you. And you guys can tell me too, the people that are still listening. Thanks for holding on. It's 21 minutes. Uh, appreciate you being here. Um, in my opinion, that game had so many feels like the Jeff Brom era. Yeah. Like, that felt. I know Penn State was a better team last year, I think, than this Fresno State team. Okay. Never had control of the game. Huh? Never had control. Right. But it's a similar game, right? Where at the end, you kind of let some opportunities slip away because the play calling, like, what what are we doing? What's happening right now, right? So um, it's funny. Team culture doesn't just change overnight. Things don't just change overnight. I can think you can see in the presser, if you watch the presser, he is a very different guy than Jeff Brom. He is very chill right now. Right, he was not pissed off. Jeff Brom, you know, would would kind of, you know, he get like he didn't want to talk to anybody. Right, yeah. you don't get that from him. Just kind of, it's more even keel. And I'm sure that bothers some of you guys. You're thinking, oh, he doesn't care. That's not it. He cares. Um, so I'm gonna go through some of the comments. I'll see if I I may have made a mistake here doing this. But um, Ted Berkey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I need to get off the field in third third and long. Gave me major hazel flashbacks. Yes, I agree. Fair to say that's a comparison with the Hazel era Era that, that team, the defense could not get off the field. That's fair. Now let's see what happens in, in the coming couple games. Let's see if they get better at that because I think they can and I think they will, but nothing's in a vacuum. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens, see what they do with this, see what they learn. Uh, safety first says, I love Ryan Walters, but his inexperience really showed regards to game management. Yeah, agreed completely. He At the end of the first half, the management of that was pretty bad. Um, and I think he mentioned that in the presser, uh, in the postgame. So, good good point. Uh, John Roberts with a D. Uh, good to know what we need to work on, I think. Yeah, um, I think, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I mean, you guys know this. I'm just a guy. Um, and the coaches see everything that I saw. I hope, I hope this is an introspective bunch of coaches that say, yeah. And I, it sounded like Walters is. And I hope he directs them to say, I want every one of you coaches to go and tell me some things that we did wrong and some things we can improve. So better than just saying, I did this wrong, what can I do better? Um, Harold specifically has his work cut out. 
more than anybody. Like I was let down with the play calling as much as anything. I am beating this horse to death. Running up the middle again. Yep, we're going to try to go do it again. Holy moly, get off that. Um, let's see. Uh, John Roberts says, uh, when I say we, I mean because I'm a 60-year-old dude who watched Jim Everett back in the day. Listen, John, uh, I'm a late 40s dude. Um, I love Jim Everett. Love him. He's probably my – he and Breeze are special to me. He's special because of the age and the what the – I was in the dome when Purdue beat Notre Dame and Everett lit that place on fire. That was awesome. Um, and I was young, uh, obviously. He didn't literally, he figuratively lit the place on fire. Thank you, LBD. Uh, Mohill 93, excited for the future. Young staff got out, Coach Word. Um, Sean Pfeiffer, uh, all of season, the defense was saying how aggressive Walter's defense was and the defense played timid at important times. Yeah. In the first half, the one thing that was really promising, if you want to, if you want to take some positives, go back and watch the first half. How they collapsed the pocket, and how they were they were kind of a noose squeezing the quarterback. In the second half, it didn't work that way. And I don't know. That could be adjustments or it could be fatigue. Again, I don't know the answer to that. But that was gone. The way they hit Fresno State's front changed. And I don't know if it's. I really don't know if it's fatigue or coaching. Um, Jeff Tedford's a hell of a coach. Just again, I'll say that for the 50th yeah. time this week. He's a really good coach. Where was he before this? Well, he was at Cal. That's where he made his, his, okay. his reputation. He was there when Aaron Rodgers was there years ago. Uh, Cal was good in the Pac-12. Um, let's see, Brian. Huh? Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever. Uh, Brian T. Uh, says, uh, the series right before the half, gifting them a field goal really hurt us. Yes, it was, that was that poor game management right on. John Younger. Uh, I don't get the criticism of game management or play calling. The offense did absolutely enough to win. Scored 28 and had zero turnovers. Okay, you can – that's fine. You can disagree with me. Um, uh, if you go back and watch short yardage situations specifically, and please do, John, and if you disagree, that's fine. Um, I can tell you I, I do not think they called a good game. I do not think they did. I do not think they used all their tools at their disposal. I don't think this game should have been a one-score game. There's the other thing. I don't think it should have been a one-score game. I think when they got upset 28-17, to 17, I think they should have pushed away. Instead, they didn't, right? Offense stalled out. Defense couldn't stop anybody. So that's that. When failure happens on m multiple parts of the field, this is one of those games. We talked about that in the Braum era. Always bad when do it. One thing, other than the missed field goal, special teams looks drastically improved. That's a, that's a very big part of the game, obviously. Scoring points on special teams, that's a big deal. So you can disagree. That's fine. And, uh, but I don't agree. Um, Alex Drix says, student, student section was really impressive for a hot noon game. They were awesome. Good point, Alex. Um, they were great. And our section is right next to the student section. They're very loud. They were there before the game. They weren't just moseying in. They were dialed in. They were awesome. And there, we had somebody ask us on Twitter, why'd they move them? And I think a lot of people thought this was kind of a punishment. They're not getting punished. It's awesome. This new student section is really cool. And if you don't know this, if you didn't pay attention, I don't know if you were watching the game, it's more of a soccer style fan area where there's bars in front, like a, you know, like a place where you can put your hands. There's no seats in that south end zone stand. So students are kind of forced. You're dialed in. You're going to be there. You're going to be standing. You're going to be on your feet. Nobody's going to get mad at you because this is your area. And then that two sections on the south end of the stadium, um, south east end of the stadium, sorry, they're, they're, they're standing there too, but they can sit. 
they're just right over next to us. So um, they were very impressive. The new new look stadium is awesome. The new tunnel is great. All that stuff's good. And I don't want to um, gloss over. That's fun stuff. That's cool stuff. This field looked great. Held up awesome. Turf management team, if you got any of you guys here listening, you guys did a great job. A lot of people were skeptical of you guys. A lot of people were skeptical of the contractors, right? That's part of the team thing. It's part of the day, the experience. They kicked ass. The, the field looked awesome. And I don't think you saw anything like chunks of dirt flying up during the game. Field looked awesome. It looked fast. Um, grass was low. I mean, perfect. Perfect there. Wish the team uh, would have had a better result, obviously. Let's see. Preston Bannock says, I don't think the defensive play calling was wrong, but players were just bouncing off like with Brom. And that's could be, that could be technique, right? You could be dealing a lot with technique, no doubt about that. I think it's a good point. Like I said, fatigue, I think, plays a big deal. They look tired to me. When I watch it on TV, when I watch the, like many of you guys weren't able to go to the game, when I watch that, I think maybe I'll have a different perspective. This is just my perspective from in the stands. I think there are some other really good post-game thoughts. I know Golden Black already put theirs out. I look forward to watching that maybe Monday or something. But, yeah, I, 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 I might have a different perspective after that, and I'll share it this week at some point, maybe in the Handsome Hour, Monday at 9 p.m., we're going to be doing that all season. Hope you're here. Um, but, yeah, good good, good stuff there. Let's see. Um, sorry. Yeah, John Younger says, Brom also lost first game. John, I talked about a lot of this. I talked about the history of coaches. We can't base, and you're right. I'm not mad at you. But I am a little upset because I went through a whole litany of things of the first coaches. One of the things, Danny Hope started with a win. That era did not go well. Bref, uh, uh, bref, bref. Jeff Brom started with a loss and that era was pretty darn bref. We'll call him bref from now on. Uh, Jeff Brom started with a loss. That era was pretty, uh, uh, pretty great. And Joe Tiller started with a loss to Toledo. Do not forget that. All of you who don't under, understand history, this, this is where I got started getting mad. And I heard people at Ross Aid, I will tell you, if you want to get me lit up, tell me it's over right now. Tell me that this era is going to suck because of this game. That makes me so angry because that tells me you haven't been paying attention to history. Joe Tiller lost to Toledo his first game. Now, are we watching the second coming of Joe Tiller? Probably not. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is don't say because of one loss that it's over. Or it's even a sniff of being crap. That's, number one, you're giving up. You, you clearly love Purdue. If you're tuned into this after a loss, you love Purdue. And I appreciate that you're here. And this is part of your ritual. That's great. But if you love Purdue, don't give up on these players right now. Don't say things. That's just so stupid. That's so defeatist. Sorry. All right. Um, Tyler Giffel said, we'll be patient. Just wanted that same feeling we got after Brum's first game. Brum's first game was promising, right? But a loss. It was still a loss. And I was at that game, too. I was at Lucas Oil. Still a loss. Um, Tiller's first game was not promising. Losing Toledo is not promising. By the way, fun fact, which you don't want to hear. Purdue is the first Power 5 team to lose to a group of 6 team. Okay, of this, of this year. They're going to say that to you if you haven't heard it in the media. It's going to be said. Just wanted to let you know as well. Let's see what else. Um, John Harrell, my old pal, he says, how do you adjust when you're playing your fourth string center? And that's exactly impossible. 
it's impossible. There's nothing you can do other than not call plays right up the gut, right, John? You can't you can't say we're going to run right behind the center again. We're going to put HUD card right under the center, and we're going to hope this guy can push his way through a grizzled veteran on the other side. I keep saying this. Fresno State, their defense was littered with junior and, juniors and seniors. Purdue has tons of guys that have never played together. Never played. What's that? Transfers, freshmen. You have, and I get the importance of the tight end in this offense in the air raid offense. If you if you haven't watched a lot of air raid offense football, that's okay. But the importance of the, the tight end can't be um, understated. And having a redshirt freshman and a freshman, I believe, as your one and two, and then Paul Paferi, who I don't know if he, did he check in today? Was he in the game? I don't remember seeing him. Maybe you guys can correct me on that. I'm, I know I've been on a long time, but I got on some pretty good rants there. I didn't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you have a bunch of underexperienced tight ends. You don't have Garrett Miller, who's a very athletic tight end, who's still not quite right. I hope he comes back and it's like a cannonball coming out of because he can play that way. He's a guy that can play like he's on fire. So um, uh, Jay Money says, it's, uh, be excited about Hudson Card. I'm excited about Hudson Card. I think there's an immense amount of potential we didn't see today. That's my, do you agree with that? I think that's that's one thing that that's probably why I was so down in the dump when I started this thing because I'd been I just poured over some stats I just watched the post game. You saw that you saw that ball that he threw when Purdue was driving down after the Thieneman's interception. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's just a glimpse. Oh, he's got he's got the tools. He's good. He's he's good. He's got the tools. There's plenty to be really excited about. Now they got to use him. So again, I'm gonna come right back, Coach Harrell. This is John Younger. This, this is the whole point where I would say, got to use this guy. Got to use this guy effectively. Let's see. Um, Bromo, somebody talking about uh, Bromo's first game. Bromo also took over. Yeah, that's a good point. So John Younger says, Brom lost his first game. And then uh, Jay says, Brom took over an absolute dumpster fire. Here's the thing, Jay. Let me, so there's one thing that we can talk about this. The, the roster was decimated by... Guys that had not won a lot when Brom took over. Meaning you have all these these heavy attitudes, right? Guys are like, oh man, are we going to be in this again, right? Or, you know, they want more, but they don't know how to do it. Winning culture is a hard thing to install, right? So Brom came in and he had a tough task of teaching guys a new way to be. Now, Walters takes over the post-Jeff Brom era. And you'd think, okay, this team's coming off a uh, conference division championship of a Power 5 conference, one of the best football conferences in America. But so many parts were lost. So you can, on one hand, you can say, wow, uh, this, is not, this is not a rebuild. On the other hand, you could say, this is a bit of a rebuild. And it's a different sort of rebuild because Walters did a pretty good job plugging in new guys that are talented, that have played at Penn State and Ole Miss and Auburn. These, these are guys that have been around, right? But they have not played together. And that's the thing that I think you got to see them gel. you got to figure that out. That's where the psychology of a coach comes in. How good is Ryan Walters going to be at that? How good are these positional coaches going to be at that? Um, one thing I thought was cool, um, you saw Yassine had, I think it was second leading, leading receiver, he had like 45 or 50 yards receiving. Quiet day. Uh, Sheffield had a quiet day. But 
there's a, I said it to somebody, I can't remember who it was, and I don't know if it was on a handsome hour or what, I was not worried about this receiving core. I am not worried about this receiving core. I really am not. I think they're really good. Again, you've got a lot of speed. You've got guys that have played. Even Canyon from Auburn, he only got in for a little bit. Number yeah, he had a almost catch in the end Down near the end zone. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to do some things. You look at that guy, you're like, man, that looks like a He is a big dude. That's a big target. Um, so I think they'll start using these guys a little bit more effectively. I think, I think it will happen. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, yeah, um, a lot of good points, guys. I'm sorry. I'm trying to read and respond, but you guys are talking to each other. All good stuff. Um, Boilerman says, felt just like FAU last year. FAU was... Yeah, I was going to say that if Purdue won, I was going to say you felt like the FAU game. Right. But was that, what was the final score of the FAU game? Does anybody know? Uh, maybe 31-29. That could be right. 31-29? Um, and that had the... I think it was two points. That did... You didn't have AOC playing in that game, right? Yeah, it was... Uh, so it felt like an offense that was incomplete. Is that fair? So I think the parallel there is pretty good. Okay, 28-26. 28-26. Good. And Purdue had no special team scoring. They didn't have a, a Tyrone Tracy 98-yard yeah, touchdown Austin return, Austin right? Burden yeah, Austin Burden started. That's that, that's a great... Two Charlie Jones touchdowns. Yeah, Charlie Jones played well. Yeah, so there you go. Deion Burks is Charlie Jones, right, in this yeah. case, right? Yeah, so, only had 113 yards that day. Yeah, yeah. So Jay says 28-26. He agrees. Uh, Mohill says 22-20. He's not right. But, no, what did you say, Downey had what? 113 yards. I guess. Yeah, Downey had 113 yards. And uh, Maccabee, I think, had 60 today. He averaged 3.8 yards a carry, something like that. Um, I think Hud Card averaged more per carry than anybody. I think he averaged 4.5 or something like that. So, um, so here's what I want you guys to take away, fellow boilers. Let's see. Uh, you take holding, pilling, make third and 15. Um, uh, I, I'd like you my friends, to, to have the equal um, enthusiasm for the coming games. Let's, let's just keep, as fans, let's enjoy this for what it is. I, I, I say this all the time now. As I, I must be I'm getting old and I'm soft and all that. But I think I would say this in any era. From, just enjoy things for what they are. There is nothing better than football Saturday, Saturday to me. There is nothing better in sports. Do you agree, LBD? I don't, I've never really asked you that question. I mean, Mark Madness. Okay, March Madness is great, but I love a, yeah, yeah. Thursday and Friday is awesome. Even despite in spite of what happened last March, really, are we gonna say? I don't know. I don't remember anything last March. Um, yeah. Mario ninety three is going to Blacksburg to watch the Purdue Virginia Tech game. I love that the dude travels. Incredible. Um, uh, John Harrell says Charlie Jones might be the best Iowa wide receiver ever. Uh, he was so fun. Now listen, John. He's not an Iowa wide receiver. Charlie Jones was not used effectively at all at Iowa, and I don't think you can even give him credit for that. He was a great Iowa special teams player, and he was a great Purdue wide receiver. Yeah. I think that's fair. As? So my, my, my dad, this is great, he started calling Iowa Purdue's farm team. Did he do that last season? I don't think he did, which I think is hilarious. I, I just thought he said it like three times today. I, I don't know where he heard it or – if that's his, it was great. Great stuff, Dad. Um, so I enjoyed uh, hanging out with my buddy uh, Ray, who sits down the, the line from us. And I, I mean, like, it was, it was a good day. 
It's a good day. So um, it just the, the end of the game was not so great. And that's the thing. I always ask about perspective, and it's pr pretty easy to say. If Purdue holds on and wins that game, you feel a little better. You do. You do. There's no doubt. But let's see what they do with it. How about that? Let's see what they do with it. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, that's not related to football. It's a good point, though. So thanks to everybody tuning in. Thank you to our sponsors once again. Thanks for um, thanks for having a good time today. Enjoy yourself. Go watch some football now. This shouldn't have ruined your perspective. I know Jay Money, one of his favorite things, mine too. Jay has like 17 screens up in his basement. Uh, I've just got one screen here in my office. But go enjoy some football. Dagnab, it's only 9 o'clock p.m. Um, good chance to learn a little bit more about future opponents for Purdue. Lots of teams are playing weird football right now. Let's keep that in mind. Very few reached, um, like if you had a, a big spread like you did in the Ohio State IU, very few teams like hit the spread. Georgia's spread was 50 today. Georgia's spread was 50. Who'd they play? The biggest spread. Uh, they... There's so many teams playing nobody, too. Notre Dame played Tennessee State. Georgia played UT Martin. Will Georgia scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. Huh? Will Georgia scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. It's 31-0. Oh, well, they get the spread. They may not get the spread. 31-0 going into the fourth. So, big uh, for all you degenerates out there. I don't know why people bet against the spread. I can't. I can't. I don't bet, number one. But I'll, I definitely wouldn't bet against the spread. Have a great evening, everybody. God bless you. Hammer down. Uh, we'll, see, we'll talk to you on Monday at 9 p.m. Hope you're here. See you.